Hey, hello, how are you? This is a show for everyone else. Instead of going after top 1% of the you know, world, put yourself in the we best dedicate this to podcast to celebrate the lives of the unsung and heroes stories that and self-made you. artists. You want to be able to do it truthfully and have great access and that allows you to infuse yourself and to be able to communicate your own self in a way that is truthful and honest and sympathetic to the story you're telling. Fame and fortune is not in the journey right now. You know, for me, it you know, it's never been about that. It's been about the, to be able to make a career out of it and to be able to travel to places and make relationships with people, meet people, make friends. With this technology, we can do that. You know, before you, you had to buy whole encyclopedias and try to get updates for things. Now you can use this technology to communicate ideas directly to people uh, in a really quick way. It's a privilege to do this work and also, you know, we, we can change society and uh, make it better, change minds and build understanding and have more compassion, you know, with this, with this information. Tell us a little bit about some of the projects you're working on. I feel very much in the same boat, to be honest. It just overwhelmed, ex super excited and feeling you know, privileged, really. But what are some of the things you're working on? Uh, well, I mean, uh, it, it, I'm working on a couple of projects right now. I, as it, You know, as, aside from my own projects, my own personal projects, I like to collaborate with other filmmakers. And also I do a lot of uh, nonprofit videos to stay afloat and keep the rent paid. Uh, so it, it's, it's a big juggling act, uh, but it's, it's a fun juggling act because yeah, it's a privilege to do the work, like you said, and to make a career out of it, you know, I, I wouldn't have it any other way just to be able to, uh, give myself into all this work, creating all this different energy and collaborating with different people. So a project that's been, uh, in flux since, um, a couple of years now, um, is a documentary about the rise of baseball in China. A couple guys from Baltimore uh, approached me, a professor from George Washington University, uh, this guy Mark Hyman, Professor Mark Hyman, and also a reporter from the Baltimore Sun, uh, this guy Jeff Barker. Uh, they they reached out to me to um, help them make a film about baseball in China. They've been following this this kid who's like the first player drafted from the Major League Baseball Development Centers in China. And they've been following him for two years in the minor leagues, and they they we wanted to make a film about his journey, but uh, you know we realized it's also a, a journey. Uh, it's about Major League Baseball's journey into mainland China, through uh, investment in education. They're they're trying to build the culture of baseball and get into the the market in China. You know, so they, they're sort of looking for the Yao Ming effect. You know, if they can get a Major League Baseball in America. This film I'm working on is all about that, these two kind of journeys, China's journey into America, but also MLB's journey into China. So sort of a cross-cultural film. And, you know, while we're trying to raise money and, you know, we, we've already done some shoots, gone over there, put together a trailer, like a, a production kit, like a press kit also to raise money, fundraising kit. So, you know, at the same time, I'm also helping my friend Brian Harrison Nelson. He's a Mardi Gras Indian. In, uh, originally from uh, New Orleans. He, uh, he's, he's been working on a film about his mom and his family's legacy, which they're uh, Mardi Gras Indians, uh, black Indians. 
and um, sort of a historical documentary. You know, it's it's sort of about runaways. It's about runaway slaves who um, adopted the indigenous culture of uh, Native Americans uh, based in the New Orleans area. So they're sort of like the forefathers of the whole jazz scene. And so, you know, it's kind of exciting to uh, to find myself in that space and help help create a film, you know, uh, using my own skills. You know, I like to shoot and edit. So but I also like to collaborate with people uh, trying to help them tell their stories. And, you know, that way I get to, you know, (laughs) see a little of everything and travel to these really interesting places. So and then aside from those kind of projects, I'm doing uh, nonprofit videos for uh, a hospice uh, care center in Boston, the first one in Massachusetts. And they were part of this movement. They were, they were celebrating 40 years helping people. And it's been a learning experience just spending time with these caregivers, caretakers, people who take care of others who are not able to take care of themselves and have maybe like a fatal disease, that they, they, they incurable disease. So it's, it's been a, an amazing experience to bring cameras into those kind of spaces also. So what's interesting with you, Ken, is when I look at your profile, your director message on your website, which I think is my favorite part of your site and also my favorite parts of any of these independent filmmakers' documentary sites, is I really want to hear what you have to say and why you're doing what you do. And very quickly, I realize for pretty much everybody we've interviewed on FaceWorld, is a self-made artist and an unsung hero in a way, which you very much are yourself. And on top of that, a lot of these films you just mentioned, from hospice care, um, you know, to the genocide, you know, American Indians, like all these people are also in a way un- very unsung heroes themselves. So I feel like I'm interview, uh, I'm interviewing unsung hero who's filming and interviewing other people about pretty much a very similar journey. Give us an because a lot of my listeners may or may not have necessarily lived through a independent film production process. So, at a high level, I guess if you were to explain to a young nephew or niece about what you do, maybe what you help these people do, what what does that sound like? Yeah, I mean, I would say try to figure out what your vision uh, should be or what you want it to be you know, put yourself in the best position to succeed, you know, and work on videos or films and tell stories that you res- that resonate with you. You want to be able to do it truthfully and have great access and be able to do it in an honest way that allows you to infuse yourself and to be able to communicate your own self in a way that is truthful and honest and uh, sympathetic to the story you're telling. To, to be an artist, it's it's relative and it's for everyone to figure out for themselves. Early on in life, I realized I wanted to use art and the, the camera and to, to be able to help tell untold stories, to help um, use media to build understanding for those that are, you know, usually misunderstood, you know, to, to um, identify needs in our community or society that I could be helpful with my camera. So for me, it's it's these underserved communities, immigrant populations, these people who never have the the spotlight on them. I don't know. Not everyone can be the the darling of Hollywood or Sundance and get all the big grants. So you know, for me, it's it's always been a way to like, hey, how can I 
make sure I can keep doing the work, but also be helpful in uh, the people that I associate with or run into in my daily life, you know? I can, I can unpack that. I can probably just have that chat with you for the next week, literally, unstop. <laughs> what you just said, which is the, I feel like, is it a dichotomy? Is it, there is not so much of a, I don't want to call it a conflict necessarily, but what you said about helping speak the truth, tell the untold stories, people who you, you basically, I mean, many people that you have interviewed, you have put on your film are not necessarily household names. They're not in Hollywood. So it, it's something to be quite honest that I also struggle with with my own podcast that people say, uh, if you look across the whole big spectrum of podcasters, famous or not so famous, everybody trying to get the same faces on their shows, on their website. And uh, people are going after that and they're getting the downloads they need, the, the fame that they, they want and the credibility. Uh, but we're both doing something along that line. And then on the other hand, we have to keep doing something else and trying to figure out a way to keep doing what we do, to keep our own business afloat. I mean, how do you navigate that? You know, if if it's it, like fame and fortune is not in the journey right now, you know, for me, it you know, it's never been about that. It's been about the, to be able to make a career out of it and to be able to travel to places and make relationships with people, meet people, make friends. You know, so, I mean, since I'm not, you know, uh, winning Oscars here and there, you know, and uh, going to all the big film festivals, you know, you know, what can I make out of it? You know, I, I you know, I know I'm capable of making a, uh, a good film that will uh, connect with people. So I have to do the best I can. I have to, you know, see how I can keep doing the work, but also stay afloat. You know, that's, you know, how do I be creative about keeping my skills sharp by like being active and continuing doing the work? And so it's it's a lot about, you know, getting uh, freelance gigs. It's a lot about, you know, doing a lot of work for community organizations that doesn't pay much, you know, but I'm able to continue, you know. So, I mean, it's for every individual artist to identify, to figure out for themselves, hey, like, am I, am I getting all the grants? You know, am I, you know, sh getting the big budgets to go shoot that? So if so, that's cool and all. Uh, so you've got, got to go and make the most of it. But, you know, if you're, if you're the artist that's still kind of underground and, but, you know, you have uh, good content and good projects going on, you know, you have to just keep focusing on the work, but also figure out ways to pay, you know, pay the rent and put food on the table. So um, it's, it's a ju juggling act, you know, but it's a very fulfilling one. <laughs> Very much so. I'm living through that myself. I, I lived a, I guess I was much more conservative with my career, even though I'm sure many other people see my earlier career as a consultant, even though working full time to be not as conservative as or not as guaranteed as working, I don't know, Citigroup or State Street or something. But but still, to me, I knew that I wasn't going to be doing that, working for someone else for too much longer. So I became a freelancer two years ago and absolutely no regret. But I, I do, I feel thankful for all the experiences I had before that enable me to do what I do today. But 
What I find interesting, which is the next segment I guess I want to explore with you, is that originally I noticed there are a lot of career changers who listen to Phase World podcast. I once assumed that they were much younger, fresh out of school, looking for advice. But I noticed more and more so that people are in their 30s, 40s, and actually well into their 50s who are changing careers. And uh, some people want to shoot a documentary film or doing something in the creative field well into their 50s. So only you know this because you've been doing this for a long time. The vision that you had, perhaps an ideal career that you thought would look like, you know, back then versus how you look at your career today. How has that changed? And then another one is, you know, what are some of the missteps or some of the things that you wish you knew going into this that you wish someone could tell you, but perhaps are only the things you learn along the way? Well, I mean, uh, getting back to that original part of, or the getting uh, to talk about career changing, right? I mean, I think it's, it's a result of people realizing or trying to identify what makes them happy, right? So, I mean, when I was working in New York as a freelance editor for a lot of reality shows and uh, this and that, um, I was making 500 bucks a day and, you know, get, make, getting paid and like making tons of money is awesome and fun. I was able to send money back to my parents, take care of them. But then, you know, when the economic downfall hit, I, I didn't work for nine months. So then I sort of didn't have a uh, choice to uh, continue doing that. I was like, well, now's my chance to uh, work on my own film and actually finish my film that I started in 2008, 2007. So you know, it was sort of a sink or swim thing or just make the most of your time kind of thing. So um, as soon as I let go of that 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 structure, that idea that I had to have a nine to five job and uh, to, you know, keep making money every day and this and that, I sort of it was a whole different way of living life. And, uh, you know, I instantly felt a lot happier and more fulfilled. And uh, so if people are going to do all that, you know, just take that opportunity to, you know, take the time to find out what makes them happy and just go for it. You know, stop wasting time because <laughs> it's going to take a lot of years off one's life if, you know, you, you do something that you don't love. Right. So, and when I went on my journey, you know, I, I realized, wait, no, now I have to relearn how to be a filmmaker because I've been so busy being a freelancer and trying to stay afloat and, you know, uh, keep the rent paid. You know, isn't that what everyone does? You know, so then the journey of being an independent filmmaker finally hit me like, oh, wait, you know, you're supposed to do all this stuff. You have to, you know, find your voice, have, you know, put together a team, you know, f keep the pipeline going, you know, starting projects, finishing them, going to film festivals, leverage them, try to try to get your project on TV, you know, uh, try to get distribution deals. I, I didn't even know I was supposed to do that when I first made my my baseball film, my first film, which was on TV. So, but then working on my life in China, I, I have no idea what happened in my mid thirties, but I feel like I was in a fog and I had no idea. I was a little confused. What am I supposed to do? You know, am I trying to be a freelancer or trying to be an independent filmmaker? So I wish I had realized earlier that I should just choose one uh, journey and go for it. And in doing so, after you know being wishy-washy about it, I realized I had let a lot of stuff and opportunities slip through my fingertips. Like you know, I had a good film when I when I started my journey, but I didn't follow through with it. You know, I didn't 
keep applying to grants and I didn't stay in the sphere of all the, you know, gatekeepers, all the grant givers, all the, the, the people, you know, that keep, you know, earmarking your career that, you know, keep making, keep going, you know? So. Yeah. So I think what you're also saying, which is, uh, what I learned through my brief conversation with you last week was to realize that, wow, you know, you know, something, if you were to produce a film five years ago, the process in a way has changed drastically. How much more difficult it is to now enter, find a distributor and then uh, find a spot for yourself, compete for that spot on Hulu, on Netflix. I spoke with a number of people and the rules of the games changed drastically. So I think that, would you say, would you agree that may have really made your part of your career kind of challenging too, of the changing rules? Yeah. I mean, it used to be that people would try to get their TV broadcast. You know, you could make a bunch of your money back, you know, if you could secure like a, a contract with PBS or like HBO. Uh, but, you know, uh, the landscape has changed. You can distribute your film directly to people. There's all these streaming services. There's educational. There's even airlines and cruise ship licensing. There's, you know, tour, you know, bus licensing, hotels licensing. So it just depends on how much uh, how, how much filmmakers want to break down their rights and do all the legwork. You know, how much do they want to retain? How much of a percentage? So, um, you know, the big films tend to um, go with like sort of an umbrella kind of approach where one company will try to do everything, but then they usually will hit the big kind of distribution things, uh, but then won't follow through with the little tiny things, you know, and I think it's sort of relative to, you know, how popular a film or, you know, how, how much access a film has, you know, relative to, uh, you know, how far it gets or the kind of streaming or the distribution it gets. So, you know, a little filmmaker like me, you know, we didn't get the big distributors, but so we were kind of forced to uh, break all the distribution down. And, uh, so, you know, try to make the most out of every film festival, you know, out of every educational screening. Um, we went for uh, a, you know, airline distribution um, until the broadcast came. And then, you know, then we started, then we made a release onto uh, education platforms, streaming, but also selling DVDs to uh, educational libraries. So that's a big chunk of what documentaries do and how they make their money. Wow. I mean, this is getting really juicy. So one of the reasons <laughs> I want to kind of unpack that because I really want to target this episode for people who are producing, doing something on their own. It doesn't matter whether they're doing a short video, some webisode on YouTube where they're uh, doing a half an hour or a 60 minute or 80 minute documentary on their own. And no matter mm -hmm. the budget, it's so fascinating because we go, we went from being the minority to what I think the majority now, one of the reasons for me to sh want to devote my time shooting a documentary, regardless of its success and financial gains, is that I find documentaries to be so fascinating. I think that's the way to go. I think that's what people are seeking out these days because they're real and they're true. Plus, I mean, it offers a whole different point of view. You know, it's outside of the mainstream media. Um, it's in, and the, the big thing in Hollywood and media is who gets to tell the story. You know, now is the time where we get to tell our own story in our own authentic way. Technology has given us the opportunity to reach wide audiences and, uh, you know, to to be able to uh, communicate ideas and to, to share information, you know, and I think 
you know, with this technology, we can do that. You know, before you, you had to buy whole encyclopedias and try to get updates for things. But now you can use this technology to communicate ideas directly to people uh, in a really quick way, uh, stylized way. So it sort of raised the uh, the bar in technique and storytelling. It's it's a privilege to do this work, and also you know it's 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 a, we we can change society and uh, make it better, build you know try to uh, change minds and um, build understanding and have more compassion you know with this with this information. So I mean it's it's all relative, and you know it's it depends on uh, the choice of the filmmaker and what kind of story they want to tell, what they're trying to achieve with this media. So, you know, in an, a perfect world, everyone would try to be doing good stuff and helping to, you know, build a better society. Yeah. I mean, I have a lot of respect for that. I think podcasters trying to do the same things. Bloggers have been doing it even longer. I think documentary producers, editors, directors like yourself, uh, you have a lot of titles, uh, are doing it in an even more sophisticated and, and more, I, I think in many ways, more committed just because the level of complexity, the length of the project. Hi there, it's me again. I want to thank you very much for listening to this episode and I hope you were able to learn a few things. If you enjoy what you heard, it will be hugely helpful if you could subscribe to the Face Royal podcast. It literally takes seconds. If you're on your mobile phone, just search for Face Royal podcast in the podcast app on iPhone or an Android app such as Podcast Addict and click subscribe. All new episodes will be delivered to you automatically. Thanks so much for your support. <laughs>